0: Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting
1: Oh, LET HIM PLAY
2: You bet one one bone to win 19. I'm just... where what site do you use where you can actually bet one buck?
0: I... They let you do fifty cent bets. Oh my goodness, great <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally like he dropped Superman down like the drain comes out. Like, God damn it, Superman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I don't
2: know,
0: honey. I don't know where he got that from.
1: From Los Angeles, this is Dave in the City. Part of the Ditt Cow Sports Network. Now, here's Dave Medina.
0: Good evening, sports fans, and a pleasure to have you here for the big golf show. Good to have you with us from the Dave in the City studios at the home of champions, Southern California, and where a champion was crowned on the East Coast, well... And a champion was crowned on the East Coast in Augusta, Georgia. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We've got our golf panel here to join us, John and Mike, and I'm hoping Andy too. I don't really see, I don't see him on our, on our screen yet, but he should be in, in just a matter of moments. So we're really glad to have you with us. We hope that you're watching us live over on YouTube. I've worked out a much better YouTube uh, broadcasting system, so we actually can take up your chat once we get going tonight. So that's pretty cool. We'll see how that goes, and we'll see if there's any latency the rest of the way. uh Andy has just joined us. That's great so um while we get going uh let's go let's now introduce you now to our twenty twenty one masters recap program it is this is some this is gonna be something that's gonna be really fun to do and uh, and I've got the slides like usual. So why don't we talk up to our friends um on the program and we'll introduce them one by one. Uh, so let's first start with our buddy um, our buddy Mike in North Jersey Mike it's so it's really good to have you back it's our first golf show of the year how you doing tonight I'll give you a chance to unmute yourself there you go uh,
1: yeah Dave thanks for having me on it's always good to be doing these we're now on our uh, tenth year of doing these golf recaps yeah. with you believe it or not which uh, hard to believe so uh, a big thanks to you for uh, giving us a platform to air our thoughts on golf. Uh, You know, I'm starting to get into the stretch run of the semester of law school. So the masters really fell at a a good time for me. I I still have, you know, I am still at a point where I can push things off a little bit where I was able to clear my schedule to say, okay, I'm going to watch the masters and I'll make up the time somewhere else. The masters like two weeks later, I'd have a bit of a problem. And then the PGA is going to fall after uh, I finish up. So uh, trying to look at things in a positive light, I would say, uh, things are good from that aspect. And of course, it's always great to be talking golf with you guys.
0: Yeah. 100%. And, and, and my, my thanks to all of you as well for, for, for making it happen. I mean, you guys have been really great to me with your expertise and your entertaining value the entire time. So it's really cool. So next up on our next up, Next up on our our coverage, let's go say hello to our friend John in Connecticut. And John, it has it's it's a pleasure to to have you back doing all the golf. How's it going tonight?
3: Doing well, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, You know, lots of it was a pretty good tournament. I'm sure we'll get into all the scenarios. I actually played my first round of the year yesterday. I hadn't got some nine holes in, which was which was good. I think I putted like Sergio Garcia, which was not good um but otherwise uh it was a uh, fun to get out back out in the course so um better weather around here and uh looking forward to getting back into the swing of things with my own game
0: yeah it's nice it's nice that the weather's warming up for you too that's really cool so our third guest tonight uh he comes from seattle in the pacific northwest and he's of course andy in seattle andy good to have you back with us how are you doing tonight
2: oh good nice to talk to everybody and uh yeah um it's sunny out i looked at the 10 day uh gonna be 75 degrees this weekend so gonna be uh go, gonna try to play 36 holes on saturday uh better idea on paper they always are but uh i don't know let's <laughs> try to have some fun
0: <laughs> no i understand it it's pretty good so uh yeah we got a lot to talk about tonight it's a, it was a it was a it wound up being a bit of a, a boring finish but it did have some late drama in where in in for our winner who was Hideki Matsuyama he wins his first green jacket he wins his first major he wins the first male championship in a major for the country of Japan so it's a trem- tremendously historic moment and uh, you know we always talk about how he kind of blows it in the end, giving these things away. But uh, it's—I think that it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's good that he ha- he hung on because I think he's just too good not to win something like that. Eventually, he's a very talented golfer. Um, but we'll we'll talk about it. So uh, let's go back to Mike and we can talk about the uh, the things that happened on his path there. Um, Mike, I mean, what can you say about Hideki Matsuyama? I mean, he was really styling it on Saturday really good round um on there i mean he was doing all right he had the the birdie on the uh, on the ninth on the ninth hole and from that point on i mean he basically had control of the of the tournament but certainly it was not without as i was saying he was really struggling at the end i mean with all with the like bogey after bogey but he did have a couple some key shots even at that point to hold on so mike i'll give it to you your thoughts on hideki matsuyama and his journey to this green jacket
1: so Hideki Matsuyama, just big picture before we get into the, uh, you know, details of what happened here. Hideki Matsuyama is someone who certainly looked destined on his way to winning a major and be uh, becoming the first Japanese player uh, to win a major. Now, of course, there were always questions about his putting. His putting's always been a little bit shaky, but I think despite that, if you, if you were talking to us, let's say in 2017, we all would have said, yeah, you know, Matt Siam is a shoe in for a major. But something happened to him, I think, confidence-wise, following that 2017 PGA Championship. If you guys remember, going into that, he had won Bridgestone the previous week with that 61 in the final round, which was just a mind-blowingly good performance. And he had the lead at the PGA Uh, after 36 and he was in the driver's seat and he wasn't able to get it done since that happened he hasn't been quite the same uh it's hard to say exactly why but for whatever reason it just it took something out of him and he he had won seven professional tournaments between 2016 and 2017 and he hadn't won one since now he he kept up a pretty good world ranking but if you looked at his form going into the masters he hadn't had a top 10 since the uh bmw one of the fedex cup events uh back in the fall so he really wasn't in form um so He's someone that if you were going to say Matsuyama was going to win, I think all of us would have been like, okay, I could see that happening just because we know he has a lot of ability, but it's something that based on his form, it would have been hard to predict. Now to get into what you had referenced about uh, him being shaky down the stretch. I really think there's a few moments that we have to point to on this round. So, of course, Saturday, we'll probably get, uh, I'll let uh, John and Andy maybe get into that a little bit more. Saturday has the 30 on the back nine. He adjusts those conditions and he gets the four stroke lead. Tremendous stretch of golf. Now, he starts off shaking on one and he bogeys one where he, he hits the opening tee shot basically into the right woods and escapes with a bogey. And the lead is down to one because Zalatoris starts off birdie birdie. But then. Zalatoris on three, uh, that short par four, screws up his second shot and makes bogey on really what should be a birdie hole, although the the pin is tricky. And then Matt Siam is able to bounce back with a birdie on two. That brought him some breathing room. What was really a, a bigger moment than that was if you go to the fifth hole, Matsuyama's on five. Zalatoris is on uh, seven, actually, when this was happening. Matsuyama gets into big trouble. He hits it into the bunker. He lays up, uh, and he puts his third shot like about 15 or 18, 20 feet from the hole. Zalatoris hits it in close on seven. The lead at that point is three shots. If Zalatoris makes that birdie putt, And Matsuyama misses. We have a one-shot tournament. But what happens? Matsuyama hits his putt too hard, but it hits the hole and goes in. If that had missed, it would have gone six or seven feet past, at least. Zalatoris misses the short birdie putt. Then Matsuyama gets on a bit of a roll from that. He hits it in close on seven. He misses the short putt, but he rebounds. It comes back. Birdies eight. Hits that great shot on nine. Birdies nine. And he gets through. And this was very key because you're right, Dave. He leaked oil and he was a little bit shaky down the stretch, but what he did that was important was he got through that stretch of 10 and 11, which are two of the hardest holes on the course, which can absolutely wreck you around. And he got through those holes with pars and that really put him in a good place where, okay, even if he stumbled as he did, he was going to be in good position. Then on the back nine, he has the six shot lead after 11 where he's able to, Where he catches what is another big moment is 13. He goes for, Matsuyama goes for the green and two, which he really didn't need to do and he probably shouldn't have done. Pulls it way left. It almost got, it was almost so far left that it ended up in the azalea bushes, but he caught a break and he made a really good up and down. Xander Shoffly, who was then five strokes back at the time, hits it in close and two, but misses the eagle putt. So we're thinking, okay, this could go this should go from five shots to three shots, but it stays at five shots. All right. Then, of course, we know what happened. It got down to two strokes as Matsuyama continued to struggle on 15. He hit the ball in the water. He should not. I I know the third shot on 15 is tough if you lay up, but he shouldn't have gone for that shot in two. he was too far back. Um, And then, of course, Shoffley hits it in the water. And then Matsuyama, yeah, listen, he he struggles to get home, but he had built himself uh, enough breathing room. So, um, listen, I I, I give him a lot of credit. Really, where he won the tournament is, uh, we always look to the final round. Where he won the tournament was Saturday, just being able to adjust so much better than anyone else. And, yeah, while you're right, Dave, that he did leak oil, I, I, I really point to him recovering from that early bogey and then getting through that tough stretch of the course to where he bought himself enough breathing room where he could get away with, uh, struggling a little bit down the stretch. So all credit to him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, just to see where he goes from here. Obviously he's going to get a lot more attention. Golf is huge in Japan. I'm sure he got a lot of attention as it is, but he's going to be seen as a hero there. And, uh, you know, just to show just what it meant, he's going to be lighting the Olympic torch when the opening ceremonies kick off. Wow. So just that, yeah, just a huge moment for him. And, uh, you know, I, I was happy to see him win. He deserved it.
0: I was happy to see him win too. I, I, I really, in the end, I, I wanted it to happen. I would just hate to see him come that close. And he was really close, you know, you know, otherwise. But he got it done. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that that worked out for him. I mean, certainly you love the juice, but I didn't want to see him to go through that. That would have been rough. Um, so, John, anything you want to add as far as uh, Matsuyama's big win? Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike
3: did a nice job there um, with his analysis, but yeah, I mean, Hideki for the longest time, you know, he's kind of the guy, one of the guys on tour who always has the just tremendous ball striking, and but he can't putt, and that was really held him back at least the last few years, anyway. As you you know, as he had mentioned that. Um, you know, a couple years stretch there. Like, his, it really didn't matter. Like, how bad his putting was, he just was hitting it to three feet every time. And, you know, he can make, he can handle that putt. But, yeah, he really had, had lost some form over the past. You know, not even the last. You know, six months or over the last like twelve months, twenty four months. Like, there's just something off with of this game. And um, I agree. Like, if you'd said to me before the week, like Hideki Matsuyama was going to win, like I wouldn't have been like, wow, like that's surprising. Like you, you, we always knew like he had the game to to win a major and it just kind of finally came together this week for him. And really, you know, it was the back nine on Saturday that gave him the kind of cushion that he needed heading into Sunday. And, you know, the course outside of that like hour and a half of play, it played incredibly firm and fast and difficult all week. That was the one time all week where balls were like stopping on the green, um, especially on holes 15 and hole 17. And I'm sure we'll get to it later about how, unbelievable this Masters-like coverages online and what you can do with it. But if you were watching players before the, the break, um, before the weather break, on holes 15 and hole 17, balls were not stopping on the greens, and on either of those greens whatsoever. Um, they'd be bouncing and, and going over the back of both. And, you know, Matsuyama and, and Shoffley, too, t- were, just, were just firing at the pins on, on that uh, stretch. And especially on 15, they were both able to make eagle and then on 17 and they made birdies. So um, that was a huge turning point in terms of, you know, you know, getting the. the I guess it was kind of a break that those storms came through, um, and the guys that were kind of chasing and had already finished their rounds. It was kind of a kind of a raw deal that they didn't get those good conditions for like the last hour on Saturday. But yeah, that's really where he, I guess he could say he had enough of a cushion to kind of hang on to to the lead going into Sunday, and then. You know, I really would have liked to have seen Xander put a shot on the green there on 16. Um, if he had put one to 10 feet, I mean, I don't know. The, the tournament very well could have gone differently because, you know, Matsuyama after that shot on 15 going into the water, and that was a pretty good up and uh, you know, to make a bogey from that situation was, was pretty good. And that was a really tough shot um, after the after the drop. But, you know, if, if Xander had not put it in the pond there and, you know, I don't think I've ever seen any, I'm sure people have gone in the water there, but never like in a high pressure situation. I don't think I've ever seen anyone go in that pond on 16, same thing on 15 too. I don't think I've ever seen anyone go in that pond in like that kind of situation, like on the back nine, like at the leaders, um, going to that pond behind the green on 15. But anyway, Xander had put a good shot on there, just hit his mark. And you know, your hole's pretty accessible. If you hit the right shot, I, would have been very interesting to see if Matsuyama had been able to answer, but you know, we didn't have to see that, and he had enough of a cushion to play the last couple holes, and it's just crazy how the final round went from, like, there was juice, then there was no juice, Zalatoris was the closest, then all of a sudden, here comes Shoffley with, like, five birdies in a row to make it close again, and then there was instantly no juice once more once he put it in the water. So, <laughs> um, You know, I mean, Hideki certainly deserved it, and he seems like a pretty cool guy, too. You saw the pictures of him just, like, literally just carrying his green jacket in the airport like all like over his shoulders like he's just some you know like he's just some random businessman just catching a flight to you know to japan so um you know i mean long term like you could tell you could say to me right now like this will be his only major and i believe it or you could say he'll win another major and i believe that too it's just there's just so many good players right now in golf and he's definitely one of them like i said i mean his like his strokes gained approach is he's one of the best on tour and as long as he has that going he'll be in the mix for for these it just comes down to the weeks where you know he can make those putts and um he, he did it this week so kudos to him and uh, it was certainly um, a well-deserved victory
0: yeah I, i'm with you and i'm glad you spoke on his humility because that really was interesting he was just at the airport boarding a commercial flight back to japan i, I just think that was so that was very charming you know and it just goes to show not everybody makes billions of dollars doing this sort of thing. But I mean, I mean, he makes good money, I'm sure, but but that just kind of shows the humility he has, and I think that was very cool. So, um, Andy, I'll give it to you for any additional thoughts as far as Hideki Matsuyama.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> the other two nailed it. I'll be a captain no fun about the airplane. I mean, he still flew business class or first class, so uh, it's not like he was in <laughs> 30, 31B. <laughs> uh, but, you know yeah i mean it was pretty cool right. i mean you had tmf.com detectives trying to figure out if he either uh did he did he fly from augusta atlanta did he drive from uh, Augusta to atlanta <laughs> uh, but, but who knows um yeah. it was a uh, good tournament yeah as as john and mike alluded to uh, Decky's shortcoming always his putter so if you were to close your eyes and you know picture decky's weakness it would the replay of this putt on 18 that's exactly what you would see over and over again missing those you know five to eight foot putts exactly how he did on 18 but obviously on 18 he had a couple shots to play with so it didn't matter but when things go rough for decky it's it's strokes like that but um, if it wasn't for like the dozen bets I had on every day, I would have been hard pressed to stick with it on Sunday. Um, I probably would have watched it all anyway, but yeah, like there wasn't the juice that we yearn for, but that's the thing about sports. You're not promised juice. Uh, we could talk about other guys down the road, but if we're just going to focus on decky, yeah, I'm going to say plus one. It was Saturday late Saturday third round was when he took advantage of the conditions where everyone else seemed to uh, just be og shocked at the fact that the course was receptive. Uh, the approach shots were sticking on those par fives, but you had to uh, adapt with the putts. I mean, all the other guys were leaving their putts short, uh, compared to Thursday, Friday, and the beginning of Saturday's round, when the, the Greens were a lot more fiery and you had to be defensive with the putting. It seems like after the weather delay, many of the guys still out there were still defensive with their putting, and uh, Matsuyama was not. And um, the, he took a bit, I, I texted John during the round. Like, I have a feeling that if it was pre rain, Pre-delay, that approach shot, which was a dart on 17, that Decky hit, that's probably over the green. That doesn't stick. That probably goes over. Uh, and on 18, he made a great up and down, if I recall, at the end of the third round. Um, I think Dottie was like, there's no way he's going to do but he did. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because yeah traditionally like the end of the third round you can get some crazy stuff happen that will set up sunday like um the year spieth blew it on uh when he hit it in the water on 12 two times in a row there was some craziness on saturday as well i think he might have doubled 18 on saturday uh going into the fourth round but anyway you know that End of Saturday. There's there's always a good chance for some juice and it gets you going for Sunday. But it just it didn't work out that way. Credit to Matsuyama. Um, yeah, like he's a great ball striker. Um, his a lot of people make a big deal of his delay when he's on his backswing, but it it, it works for him. And the putting was was just right, and there wasn't a lot of threats on the back nine by the field you know besides Xander getting really hot on that force I think he got that those four birdies in a row um Mike has the steel cage memory remembering like everything he did on the front nine um compared to Zalatoris I do remember now when Faldo was like oh the two the two shot swing didn't end up happening um so yeah a lot of things had to go just right for there to be not as much juice as we anticipated. I, I think if that final round was played over, you know, in a simulation, like nine out of 10 times, you get a lot more juice, but that's why it's not in a simulation. And that's why these guys actually have to hit the shots. And um, yeah, he, he played really, really well. And when he started to get, you know, leak oil, he had the house money to leak the oil.
0: He did, and uh, good for good job out of him, honestly. So like, it was. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was going to do it. I tell you, I mean, I think it was in maybe around, I don't know, like with the thirteenth hole or you know somewhere around there. I wasn't actually, I wasn't actually sure, but, I again, I'm I'm actually glad he, he pulled through because like you got what we've been talking about already, he's a good guy and he's got some good. He can really make some very nice shots, you know. So. So very cool that he that he got it done in the end. So now let's go to the rest of the field, and it was uh, really a lot. It was a host of a lot of characters. I mean, there were so many wacky moments in this tournament. You know, Bryson DeChambeau, De- DeChambeau just doing his stupid little shtick and it doesn't work at all. And then you have um, Rory, who just had a rough, had like one particularly rough day. He just could not land a green at all. Um, but a lot of stuff like that going on. And um, I'm going to go back to John and I want to get your thoughts on the rest of the field, um, at the masters and Shoffley, of course, with a triple on 16 in the final round, you know, which really derailed what was a really good round for him. He was really hitting the ball. Great. He was just having birdie after birdie. So there's a lot to talk about, John. Let's get your thoughts on the field.
3: Yeah. I mean, not only the triple on, uh, 16, he had the double bogey on five earlier in the, in the round. Um, and he also had uh, he had a, a bogey on the short par four. He couldn't get up and down on the on the third hole. So you know he had so many chances. I think he had like eight or nine birdies in the round. So he really could have you know without his mistakes, he was he was right there to win it. Um, just another you know I don't want I don't want to call him Tony Finau because Xander has actually won some good tournaments, but they're very similar in that they kind of get close, but they just can't do enough to to win the tournaments um I definitely think Xander is a much better player than Finau and has much better um, chances to win a a major because Xander his game really doesn't have a weakness to it um but it just just, he's just been getting so close in these tournaments and he just can't seem to get over the hump um but yeah he's got to be disappointed with how he finished that um you know John Rahm I think he was kind of a little bit hung over after having his kid earlier in the week and he shows up on Wednesday and just kind of plays ho-hum for three days. And then he shoots six under on Sunday. I mean, if he had done anything the first three rounds, he would have been right there too. So he'll probably win. He'll probably win the masters at, at some point. The course just really seems to set up for him. And um, I, I give him a great chance at Torrey Pines at the U S open. and that's where he might, he might win. He might win that this year. Um, so I guess we can mention Zala Taurus. I mean, what a, what a run for this guy. And they keep, you know, they keep saying that he doesn't have status on the PGA tour right now. It's true. He doesn't have his tour card officially. It's just, he kind of um, because of the weird scenario with the pandemic, the corn the fairy guys didn't really get their tour cards per se. They just kind of like whatever status they were at. They could get some, some starts on the PGA tour. Um, if he had won three times on the corn fairy tour, he would have gotten an automatic tour card, but he didn't win three times, but he did well enough to get some starts beginning at the, um, some of the fall events, um, after the tour championship and he did well in that. And then he had uh, six of the U S open and he just snowballed it from there. And like every start, he's basically in the top 25. He's another guy. Just his, his approach game and his ball striking is just unbelievable. Um, he's not, he can't putt either as you saw with some of those things, but it just, he just hits it so close on most holes. It just, it just doesn't matter. So, um, very, very impressive from him. And, you know who knows maybe he'll be end up on the Ryder Cup team this year um it's funny like you know you were, we were watching the match play a couple weeks ago and like you know Kevin Kisner wins two matches or two yeah two matches and they're like oh let's put Kevin Kisner on the Ryder Cup team the guy hasn't done anything in months but you know maybe we should think about getting Zalatouris on the Ryder Cup team but in any event um yeah it was a kind of an eclectic top 10 like you know you know if you guys like play fantasy and stuff like everybody was taking Corey Connors as like kind of a lower owned pick for for this kind of thing and and again he's another guy just a credible approach game and you know did very well for himself with the top 10 um the course played tough so i'm not really surprised to see patrick reed in the top 10 but just a lot of the big names just did not do well dave meant or yeah dave mentioned rory just there's just something going on with him right now i don't know because it's his his new responsibilities you know being a a, you know husband and and father if that's just kind of wearing down on him i mean you got to be really committed to to your golf game and he's just not there right now um dustin johnson with a very poor performance to miss the cut um de as you mentioned you know the guy is just arrogant as can be whenever he's talking about how the par is 67 for him at this course and like i think he's done that once in his last how many rounds and that was on friday when the when the scoring was kind of set up for set up for everything um so let me see anybody else here that i want to mention um uh, Justin Rose, you know, he had that really nice round on Thursday, where you know that 65 was just unbelievable in those conditions. But you got to figure this was maybe his last best chance to win a Masters. I mean, he's not getting any younger, and um, you know, he just is, is. He's got some back issues, but it was a good finish for him. But you know, this kind of might be it for his his great chances at Augusta. Um, Jordan Spieth had another nice tournament. You know, he, he broke the his. You know, four-year-long drought. Previous week at the Texas Open, and he backs it up here with a good performance. So we'll we'll expect to see him in contention for um, the rest of the year if his his game stays at this level. Um, And I'll mention one other guy, uh, Victor Hovland. Like he's going to win a Masters at some point. Like he made a bunch of mistakes but he probably made the most birdies of anybody in the tournament. Like he's, either, he's either firing at a pin to two feet or like he's in the, in the trees making triple bogey, but there's, there's no in between. If he, once he gets rid of the mistakes, uh, I think he's going to win um, the masters. Like he, he made so many birdies this week and uh, he just couldn't offset, you know, all those mistakes, like I mentioned. So um, yeah, overall, I mean, you know, he had some, and I guess more, a couple other guys to, just getting into the top 12, I guess, to get a, a spot for next year. Stuart sink of all people that was crazy and uh the young scott scottish player uh robert mcintyre so expect to see some more of him so some good good job by those guys to get some invites into next year but overall i mean the the leaderboard was pretty interesting and you know not many big names in the mix and you know on uh in terms of the, like the top 10 anyway
0: yeah good point by you on that i mean uh, some really big names not making the cut was was just such a funny thing to see And I think the one that stood out to a lot of people, I think you brought him up already, but Dustin Johnson not making the cut, that was just wild. So, Mike, let's get to you and let's go over to you and get your thoughts on the rest of the field.
1: Yeah, good points by John. Uh, You know, Before I get into that, just to touch on two things, one that John brought up, one that uh, Andy brought up. With uh, Andy talking about the crazy Saturdays, and I know he probably remembers this because Lee Westwood is... Uh, Obviously, someone he's fond of, you know, the Saturday that really stands out to me is uh, if you guys remember Mickelson, he goes on 13, 14 and 15. He goes Eagle eagle birdie he eagles 13 eagles 14 by holing out and then birdies 15 and that put him one stroke behind lee westwood otherwise lee westwood would have had a huge lead going into that 2010 uh that sunday in 2010 and he might have won so uh unfortunate break for him and then yeah john is definitely right 16 you don't see it nowadays people missing left but you know with the masters with having all the old tournaments up if you go back and you look through the older tournaments, you do see it a lot more often because that, you know, with the older technology that used to be like a four or five iron and, you know, people trying to hit a drawn or whatever would pull it. But you now change the technology that would happen. That's what happens uh, to get into the players, though. Um, <clears throat> Dave, you're right. I would say a big theme of this master's which is odd is that a lot of big names miss the cut and you don't really see that happen so much at the masters. I know a couple of years ago, they changed the cut procedure so that less people are making it, but it's almost a course and you hear players allude to this. It's a course where the bad players don't really implode so much. It's like, you know that there's a certain way to get around it and things that you have to do places that you can't miss and you just feel like the best players, yeah, maybe one or two of them will miss. But for a whole bunch of them, just to you know not be there for the weekend was very surprising. Um, I don't know what was going on with Dustin Johnson. Look, you know, it's hard to repeat at the Masters. It's only Jack Nicholas and Nick Faldo have ever done it. You got to host the dinner and you have all this attention going on. But, I mean, he just... Uh, I don't know if he wasn't interested. I don't think he wasn't interested, but he just looked so lethargic on that back nine on Friday, bogeying three of the last four to miss the cut. And then, you know, it was pretty funny. I saw someone on Twitter posted a picture of Dustin Johnson. He's on the practice screen at Harbor town and he's wearing a button down shirt and like a pair of fancy jeans so, uh, I, he's obviously not taking that tournament very seriously. So I don't know what's going on with him. Rory is an absolute mess. And one, uh, there, we won't do it tonight cause we haven't talked about it, but, uh, one of these podcasts, we got to do a deep dive on what happened to him. Cause uh, he's an absolute mess right now, yeah. uh, working with Pete Cowan to try to change the swing a little bit. So I don't think Rory missing the cut was such a surprise, but, uh, yeah, wasn't around. Uh, DeChambeau. Now, I- I'm sure all of you guys saw that clip that kind of went viral on Twitter where he's just – he's hitting ball after ball on the practice range as hard as he possibly can, and Vijay Singh is standing there watching him. Well, all right. Now, he says that speed training. Like, he's swinging a lot faster than you'll ever see him even when he tries to uncork one on a um, – uh, during like a competitive round but after he does that he goes oh well you know after I do that I have to recover so I I can't go out and play a practice round what you stood up there and just wanted a ball as hard as you can could for five minutes and decided to do that instead of playing a practice round (laughs) now I know I'm not a genius like him I don't have a degree in physics uh from SMU although you know Bryson DeChambeau was such a genius that he got caught in some sort of uh, improper benefit scandal and actually turned pro before he intended to turn pro because his eligibility was going to get cut. but again he's a genius and he knew what he was doing Uh, so yeah he decided not to play a practice round which makes no sense and then you know just one of my themes has been is that DeChambeau is honestly a complete troll and he just says things because he knows they get attention. One of the things he said is that he was going to, quote, have a secret club in the bag. I, was there ever a follow-up about that? Do we know what that was? I know the driver was a little bit different, but that's not what he was referring to. I don't know why he thinks he needs more length out of the driver. He sort of maxed out, I think, uh, really effectively what he's going to do. But eh, who knows? Um who else? Yeah, I guess we got to talk about Justin Rose, and I'll talk about this within a general theme of the tournament. Um, the 65 that Rose shot on Thursday is really one of the better rounds of golf you'll ever see. He's two over going into eight, and he plays... He goes, he makes seven birdies and Eagle, and he plays the last 11 holes at nine under par. On a day where it's probably the firmest and fastest I've ever seen Augusta national play. It's really one of the more remarkable stretches of golf. I can remember seeing. Um, And then, you know, the interesting thing about the tournament is that there, there was sort of this flow to it where it was like, you were waiting for, to see if they could catch up with Justin Rose and then they caught him. And then Matsuyama jumped out and then you would see if they could catch him, but they couldn't, but uh Yeah, as John said he, You know, he's 41 now He's running out of time I, I don't know how much more time he has left So this could have been a missed opportunity for him uh, He really had a big advantage to start out with Uh Anyone else notable that I want to talk about here? Um, I guess we'll tuss- touch on Justin Thomas Who, you know, after a Obviously it's been a very trying year for him uh, Listen, uh He has himself to blame for, of course, one of the big incidents using a um, homophobic slur that got caught on a hot mic. You can't do that. And the hot water that he got for that, he deserves. All right. You got to live with the consequences of your actions. Then his grandfather died, who was very close to. And, you know, he was a popular pick coming in because he's really really done a good job this year with his approach play. And that's really what Augusta national uh, requires or entails more so than any other places. You gotta be on point with your approach shots. And, you know, he, he was on his way to doing that, but then on Saturday, he just imploded on 13, hitting his third shot in the water and making a triple bogey that took him out of it. And, uh, that did it him. I will touch on one quick, uh, no, actually, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the broadcast later. So I'll, I'll bring that up another time. Right. Um, Jordan Spieth, listen to this. If I had told you guys, all right, here's, what's going to happen. Jordan Spieth is going to lead the tournament in greens and regulation. He'll hit three more greens than anyone else. And he'll be in the top 20 in driving accuracy. I think all of us would have said, well, he's going to win the tournament by four or five shots. Well, that's what happened. Three more greens than anyone else and top 20 in driving accuracy. What happened? He was, you know, I I have to find out where you can get the strokes gained for each individual tournament, because I, if you guys know where to find them, tell me, I know where to get them for like the full season, but he was apparently near the bottom in strokes, gained putting uh, for this tournament. So, he hit the ball well. He, he made too many mistakes. He had that uh, triple bogey on Thursday. He had a double bogey on Saturday, I think. He made too many mistakes. But for him to hit three more greens than anyone else but put so poorly is just it, – it, it's quite confounding. So, of course, uh, you know, Dave and John, you guys know I had a bet on him. So I was quite disappointed to uh, you know come across that stat because it's like, well – you know, he, he really did what he needed to do to win, but what's always been the bread and butter of his game just wasn't there that week for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, so real-
3: for you, sorry, before you throw it to Andy, uh, Mike, there is a site I can give you where you, you can follow the strokes gained after every round. Um, so I can send that to you. However, they did not have it for the Masters, because um, it's obviously it's not a PGA Tour event. So some guy on Twitter was like, trying to figure it out or put it together based on like greens and regulation and like putting stats and all that, all kinds of other stuff. So officially it's not, it's not available for the masters, but for regular tour events, I do have a site for you. I'll send it to you. It's very helpful in terms of like doing bets and all these other things that we enjoy. All right. Thank you. Send me that. Thanks.
0: Very good. So let's go to Andy. Any other thoughts as far as the rest of the field?
1: Yeah, I
2: I was just looking up some old scores, and yeah, that so that 2016 Masters, I I remember, it, but I'm I'm will at one minus five. So there must have been some tough rounds uh, throughout the week, because like you know, I mean, it's always anywhere between minus ten, minus eleven, minus you know, minus fifteen, minus five. That's more like a U.S. Open final score, but no, um, Mike Mike nailed it, and, and John mailed it with. with Justin Rose, I was uh, kept expecting him to get his second wind after that first, you know, really good sixty-five, and I expected him to make a little more of a presence on Saturday and Sunday, and he just he just couldn't really get it together, unfortunately for him. Um, He's he has experience, you know. He almost, I mean, he almost he had like the green jacket on him when Sergio won it. Uh, So it's not like he, he he doesn't know how to hang in there at Augusta, but this wasn't meant to be. I I thought Saturday and Sunday, he he would have played a little better, but yeah, he just kind of flatlined Patrick Reed, Patrick Reed. He's just nothing about his game is like fun to watch. Uh, He's fun to gamble on sometimes and pays off, but I was talking to my buddy. He's, he's like, if there was a golfing equivalent of a pig in the mud in a, you know, in a, in a pig in mud, that's Patrick Reed. Cause it's not pretty, but it's, it's his, it's his environment. He's just a grinder. And uh, you know, if it wasn't for his, I think his second round, he didn't play all that well, but every other round Thursday, Saturday and Sunday, he, he was right there. So we kind of nibbled into a, a top 10. He doesn't care. The, the thing about Patrick Reed is, compared to Bryson and I agree he's definitely a troll thing about Bryson is he wants to be liked but he's a troll and he has to be like the center of attention whether it's I'm gonna drive the uh green at Bay Hill I'm gonna have a surprise club oh this course you know every par five it's a par 67 for me he always has to be like the center of attention you know, Ricky Fowler has to be loved. Bryson DeChambeau has to be the center of attention. Patrick Reed, he, he's like, I don't care. I know people hate me, and it's not going to affect me, so I'll embrace the heel persona. I think Bryson DeChambeau sh- at this point should embrace the uh, heel persona. It might do him some good, but uh, we'll see where the with how the golf gods are going to treat Bryson. I think he, uh, he's got to learn how to play Augusta at some point because – his calculations were a little off or well, more than a little off but uh <laughs> just didn't, just didn't work out for him um you know john rom had a really good sunday but he was a little too neutral the first three days of the event um i'll piggyback on the, i was surprised both lee westwood and dustin johnson missed the cut uh Tongue-in-cheek, I'll blame the amateur that they were paired up with because I think he shot, like, he was, like, 15 over or whatever after the two rounds. And I know Don and Michael, I don't know if they'll remember the details, but the U.S. amateur that was in Van Dunes last year, I think he was in, like, the – well, he yeah, because if you're the finalist or the semifinalist, you get into Augusta. So, I think he was like the slower of the two that were in that final pairing. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was slow as you know, slow as balls. And DJ and Lee were like, I can't, I can't focus with this guy that's struggling to break eighty five. But no, <laughs> it's they're they're better than that. It just didn't work out for. DJ. It was definitely shocking. He was on pace to make the cut, and then he just collapsed on the back nine on Friday. It was kind of disappointing. On Friday afternoon, I had taken the the whole day off, the whole day to work from home, and just the way the pairings were scheduled and how they all performed that Friday afternoon, there was really no juice because all the guys on the top of the leaderboard had already posted their scores in the morning and the guys that had teed off early on Thursday were now teeing off late on Friday and they just, yeah, you want to see Rory flail around and, you know, DJ and neutral and all the guys that were playing late just really weren't weren't a factor. So, uh, but that's, that's what happens sometimes. You can't predict that. And um, yeah, John mentioned that Scottish guy McIntyre, he was kind of nibbling a couple of weeks before in the match play event in Austin. Um, we saw, saw a season's worth of Brian Harmon. I'm, I'm all right with, you know, saw a ton of Brian Harmon over the weekend. Uh, I like Brian he, Harmon. He, yeah, left. He's, I think he's better without hair, to be honest with huh? you. And, wow. and uh, Leishman had a, you know, he didn't win, obviously, but nice to see Leishman get in the mix and get plenty of coverage over the weekend you know, he's fun to watch. Uh, Cam Smith had a great tournament, uh, when all said and done, he, you know, he was kind of a feast or famine guy. Um, Corey Connors played well, uh, Scotty Scheffler represented himself well. So, you know, there was, there is some good representation. I, you know, not to sound like Mike Francesa, but there is truth to be said about like these, uh, the first time playing Augusta doesn't matter if you're really good, you know, you kind of want to fade these guys, but I was having trouble trying to remember like who's actually new. And I was like, was uh, Victor Hovland did he play in it last year? I, I don't remember, but I agree with John. I, I think he's, I don't know if it's Augusta. He's definitely gonna win a major when all said and done. I'm not gonna say when he wins one, they're gonna come in bunches like Jason Sobel, but I think he has a major in him. I love his game. He he like you never see him angry. He and he hits the ball a mile. Everyone says, including him, that his like weakness is uh like the chips off the collar, but mm-hmm. there's time to get that straightened out and he may he I don't have the stats running, but he seems like he has an affinity of making long putts, so um, that that can only uh, benefit him in the long run. I love watching Victor Hovland. Um, he's like the antithesis of Matt Wolf. Matt Wolf is just like <laughs> I think he got too cute because he wrote the wrong score on his scoreboard. But he he he's kind of shaky. And um, yeah, just I'm just trying to rattle off some of these guys that actually didn't win. Um, Spieth, I'm a, i am i like I like Spieth so. I think, you know, it's hard to win, like, back-to-back. So, you know, he won San Antonio the week before. The fact that he was able to, you know, finagle a top five this week, he's had a great year. And, uh, you know, obviously he's got good success at Augusta. He's probably, I would say he's a horse for this course, uh, as is, you know, a guy like Patrick Reed. You know Tony Finau, classic Finau. He's nibbled the top ten, but would you ever like Tony Finau? At least for me, is not someone that I'm gonna, you know, put a paycheck on the line to see if he's gonna <laughs> win these events. He's just something doesn't click. As John said, like putting is his weakness, and mm. you, got, you got to make these putts in, in the in these big events. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to see any any disappointments besides – DJ and Rory. Oh, I'll, let me. I'll comment quickly on Justin Thomas. Uh, to echo Mike, yeah, it, at least once a tournament doesn't matter if it's CBS Golf Channel or NBC, and rightfully so, he gets all sorts of high praise for these uh, these approach shots. You know, these when it's not a full swing because they say he's got this ability to uh, manipulate the his backswing and the velocity of his swing. And he can, he can either like cool the spin or apply all this backspin almost on command. And most of the times he is really good, but it was just so odd shocking to see him implode on arguably one of the easiest holes on the course 13. He also made a mess on Sunday too, but obviously the big mess was on, on on that Saturday because he was, he was right there. He, he lost the tournament on 13 that Saturday. Uh, it was just, it was unfathomable to watch because he was 80 yards and it's his bread and butter, you know, uh, not a full swing. Just get it close, get your birdie. And he just, he looked like he just wanted his dad and hugged and, and, and a nice cry. And his body language is just tough to take sometimes when things aren't going for him because uh you know there's certain there's other golfers that would you know dj love him or hate him he just he's just got good demeanor out there he Mm -hmm. might not know what course he's playing but (laughs) just nothing phases him or justin thomas like he misses one putt and then he's just gonna sulk for six holes afterwards like that's what we do. We're not pros. You're a pro. <laughs> you know, move move forward, move on. Yeah. Um so it was, yeah, it was very surprising to see him implode on Saturday. And uh, cuz he was right there. Yeah.
0: That was the most surprising thing I th- you might, might have seen all weekend, honestly. That that I, that just came out of nowhere. It was nuts. Um and I wanted to just piggyback your guys' comments on Hovland. I I, I really like him too. And I, he really showed me something when he had that 10. And his final hole in an event, I think it was in Palm Desert somewhere. Andy, you probably would have a better idea. But do you remember that event? Like where he just had the 10 at this on his last hole on a, I think it was Thursday or Friday. But then like the next day, like he just goes and hits like every birdie and he actually finishes in the top 10. So I'm like, if he can do that after after a hole like that. I really think he's got the chops to win a major, so I really agree with you guys on that. Uh, two other guys that I think are going to win a major very soon, Choffley, believe it or not, I, I he's too good not to win. He's just he's just such a good player, and he's got a good short game, and he can drive the ball really well. And and Rom, it's, he's in the top five all the time in all these events. I think that we're going to see one of those three win a major before the year's over. That's my prediction. Uh, but I want to give it back to you, Mike, before we go to media coverage because – i did find it unusual that there was no i did find it unusual that there was no um uh there was no amateur winner or, or amateur qualifier to make it to the butler cabin i've never seen that before but you guys were t- breaking down like why that might be but were you just as surprised as me mike um
1: no not really um you kind of have this thing that happens now where guys will turn pro sooner rather than later. I I mean, like the really talented people, just because the, you know, the mechanics are so well ingrained at a young age that you see people come out now and they're ready to play. And, um, you know, I I did watch a little bit of that U S amateur at Bandon uh, dunes because I wanted to see the course. And I don't remember much about the players, uh, but uh, the thing that tells me about that is that none of them really stood out to me. Because I remember uh, when we did the U.S. Open recap for uh, the one at Pebble in 2019, I had mentioned that I had watched the U.S. Amateur at Pebble earlier where Hovland won. And that I was really blown away by him so that when Hovland showed up, was low amateur at the Masters and then actually contended, fringe contended a little bit the U.S. Open, I wasn't all that surprised. So, I mean, look, golf, uh, To you're not always every year going to have amateurs that are really on a high level. Yeah, they'll be... Some years they'll be there, some years they won't. Some years the best ones won't win the U.S. Amateur just because, you know, it's a match play event and match play can be kind of funky. So, no, it, it, it happens.
0: Okay. Well, let's then move on into the the media coverage. Once again, the digital coverage is a winner. My group has continued to be very, very useful to all of us. Uh, the TV coverage, well, it is what it is, but but certainly... There were some highlights and a lot of lowlights. Before we give it to Andy, I know Andy's going to have some thoughts on this. I'm going to give it to John first. And let's get your thoughts on media coverage.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean let's just get to the My Group feature. Um, I was I was stupid at first. Like, I was going – so, I, you know, I had some players favorited for bets and fantasy and pools and whatnot. So, I would star them on my the leaderboard. So, then I'd click each player's name. To, to see, you know, they brings up their scorecard and then you could look at each hole to see their, the video of their shots. And I was like, Oh man, this is pretty cool. And then come to find out, if you go to the, the live section, yeah. like the <laughs> live coverage, I was like, Oh, well, this is my group thing. So you click my group. So all those, so I had like six to eight guys starred um, for the various stuff that I had. And what they would do is they'd shuffle between all of the shots, like, like, like you were watching it on television from one player to the next. And when your players weren't, um, you know, obviously they're going to walking from hole to hole or from shot to shot. So when none of your players had shots available to show, it would pull from around the course. So it would pull like, it would show you great shots. It would show you the leaders. So like you literally couldn't, you didn't even have to watch CBS. You could have just watched the, my group literally all day and just seen the, the entire tournament. Because it was funny, like, early – if you're watching really early in the morning, if you had some scrubs that were, like, playing – like, I had Jason Kokrak, that bum, was horrible (laughs) in the the final round. So I was watching him early on Sunday morning. (laughs) But they were also showing you, like – the leaders on the course were like Jose Maria Olfabal <laughs> and
0: uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and like, you know, those other guys at the bottom of the leaderboard. they were considered the quote leaders on the course, so you were getting all their shots, and Technically, but by the hated, end of the but... day obviously you were seeing all the, you know, you were seeing uh, Hideki and Xander and yeah. all those guys, but um, it, that, that's like the most unbelievable feature ever, like you legit did not even have to watch CBS, you could have just watched, obviously it was a little bit behind, like if you were trying to like follow social media or if you were you know, following your, um, following the leaderboard, it was a little bit behind to before they, they post the scores and then probably show you the video. But like, if you were just watching that on a full screen, like you, you have the, everything you could have ever wanted, like unbelievable coverage. So um, that feature anyway. So the tour, I think I mentioned this to you guys, like Amazon web service is doing some cloud thing where they're going to be the provider for all shots, something, every shot live or some, some kind of they branded it somehow. Um, so eventually the tour will get into something like this. I don't know wh- how long it's going to take. Obviously it's, it's going to be a costly endeavor, but uh, that's, that's the way of the future, especially for, you know, how golf is ex- exploding in terms of popularity with gambling and fantasy. I mean, every state is going to be, you know, legalized for gambling eventually. So that's just, that's just the way to do it and, and the way things are going. And um, the masters could not have done it any better with that, with that feature. I cannot say enough good things about it. Um, So, but other than that, I mean, the TV coverage is what it is. I'm sure we'll all have things to say about Dottie Pepper. I mean, my goodness, I'll let Andy really rant about it, but it's funny because they've never had, I correct me if I'm wrong. They've never had like on course reporters. I remember her being on the 13th hole calling the shots there. And then all of a sudden now she's on the grounds and she just was just consistently wrong every single, it's just all the time. But uh, that's all I'll say about that. But um, I think I texted you guys about how they replaced Bill McAtee on the 14th hole with Andrew Catalan, which I think was a good decision, um, especially since Catalan is kind of like now the backup to Nance when he's not around for CBS. Well, we haven't seen him yet do like host a tournament because I think all the tournaments have been pretty pretty big. I think we'll see Catalan coming up soon. I can't imagine Nance is going to be in the at the New Orleans event next week, the team event or – even the the Val tournament is got moved to the end of end of this month. I can't see Nance getting there, but uh, we'll, we'll see Catalan at some point. But I think that was a good decision. Um, you know, Vern Lundquist, like he, he's he's nearing the end of his his Masters run. Um, I think they're just it's kind of like you're like a college professor that has seniority. They're just keeping him on until he says, "All right, like I'm done." Like they're never gonna fire him. Um, but yeah, he, he's certainly lost his fastball. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know. You know, we used to complain about not having, like, coverage available in the morning. Well, now with all this online streaming, it really doesn't matter. Like, fine, start the coverage at 3 or 4. I don't care. We'll just watch whatever on our, our, you know, devices. So, really not that big of a deal anymore. So, that's kind of my my feelings on the the coverage this year.
0: And my group has also defeated the complaint that you can't get the Masters app to show the featured group's coverage on... You know, on free on a free service. It's you have to go to you would have to go to the PGA tour live app, I think. But definitely it's on ESPN plus. But who cares? You can just do my group and just put that on there and put it on your computer and, and Chromecast it to your TV and you're good to go. So it, it's it's obviously tremendous. So let's not waste any more time. Let's go to Andy and let's get your thoughts on the media coverage.
2: Yeah, thanks. Um sorry I was coughing earlier. I tried to hit the cough button, but <clears throat> potato chip went down the wrong tube. Ooh. Um, yeah, I got in a, I was heated cause I was having a rough day at work and I'm trying to watch the golf at work, do work at the same time. And I got Tommy texting me and tweeting about how like the TV coverage on the masters is pathetic. And I'm like, you like, what if all of a sudden you're a fiddle? and you need to watch the games on the device he's like how about the people that are that don't want to watch the game on the computer he's like why are you always defending the master i'm like i'm not defending anybody i was like trust me i think the masters are very stoogy but like my group and amen corner holds four five six holds 16 and 17 what more do you want and we just kept going back and forth he's like you want to watch it Golf tournament on your computer. I'm like, yeah. And I was like, I've got like 12 bets going on, and they're not all the leaders. And I want to watch Molinari and Phil Mickelson. They're teeing off at 8 a.m. <laughs> my group. You got to have my group for it. If I have to complain about my group, I will say this. And I, probably because I had too many golfers, they fall behind. And so this is true. Again, I, it was, I was watching. I'm like, I didn't want to watch the leaderboard because I knew, you know, I want the drama of the bet. And I know, like, Mickelson and Molinari had already finished, but I had to wait on my group, like, an extra 20 minutes to to see how it panned out. We tied on Saturday. They both shot three under. But uh, all that to say, my group's great. I guess next year, I, I, I'll try not to have as, so many players – Because it can, if you have too many players, it's gonna you're gonna fall behind real time, and so I'll be more mindful and maybe not have like the leaders in my group because you know the leaders are gonna get their plenty of coverage when you know Nance and Faldo are on. Uh, But I'll I'll fine tune it. This is really only the second year my group's on. They had it in November and they had it for this edition, but it's great. I mean, if you're like, if you're McIntyre's parents, you can just have McIntyre and maybe Martin Laird. I think those are the only two Scottish players that were in the field. So <laughs> uh, i trying to think what other, you know, who else Mr. And Mrs. McIntyre would want, but you get, you get the idea. You can, it's a la carte, whatever player you want, you put in your group. So it's great. You know, for all the shortcomings of their Saturday coverage starting at three Eastern, when the leaders have teed off at two twenty, they make up for it. That's, and I don't know how that is me defending the Masters. I'm just pointing out reality. And Tommy is like, just because they've done it for years, that means they have to contend. Like, Tommy, you're a Notre Dame fan. Like, they have some pretty antiquated ways too. You don't speak up for that. Like, they have their traditions are pretty old. You can entertain changing those, you know, it, it doesn't matter. The Yankees have some, how about the Yankees hair policy? Like, why don't they wake up? It's 2021. These right. are, anyway. um, But I love my group. I love the coverage on the computer. And it's a perfect, uh, if you're a gambler, you, you want, it complements the TV coverage and the TV coverage complements what you're watching on your devices. Um, as for Nance and Faldo and and Immelman and Catalan, yeah, I like Catalan's great. He'll he'll probably do Zurich, maybe one of those, uh, like Charles Schwab, the Texas event. But, yeah, he, he's good stuff. This is what I'll say about Dottie Pepper um, and even Doris Burke, too. It's like, without sounding like a Kaji, Kaji person, like, you don't – you don't have to like justify where you are. Like you are where you are. You don't have to like go out of your way to just like be outspoken or differentiate yourself or uh, any of that. Just less is more with golf. Less is more with golf. And with Dottie, she just has to be so assertive and it's, it's just a, it's not a bad look, it's a bad sound, Uh, you know, because she she speaks, uh, so it's a bad sound. And a lot of it is, like, always around the green. It's like, oh, this, like, Patrick Reed, for instance, who's a great player out of the sand, and just, oh, he's, it's a bad lie, it's not quite a fried egg, but, Mm. Oh, and he's left himself. He doesn't have a lot of green to work with. I'll be surprised if uh, this ball ends up in, you know, 15 feet from the pin would be great. And Patrick Reed knocks it to within like a tap and gimme. And it's like just stuff like that. Or let someone like Bryson is in the rough. And like Dottie, you got to look at the, oh, this lie is horrible. You can, he's going to have a hard time getting good contact with this and then the player hits a great shot out of the rough. Or if it's like, if it's a perfect shot and and it's uh, right in the middle of the fairway and it's, you know, going for the green, it's like, oh, this is on a great line. It's on a great line. And it's either 10 yards short or 10 yards over. Uh, She's guilty of that a lot. And then sometimes she's like, it's not on a good line. Like this has to, <laughs> this ball really has to bend left. And then it ends up like knocking it stiff. Like Dottie don't speculate at this point. It's just tough to take. Like we maybe just let us watch the shot. <laughs> There's, I know Augusta doesn't do uh, a lot of shot tracer. Uh, that's just a thing. Yeah. Um, I think the more we see of shot tracer then the less of like, and it's not just Dottie like um, 30 used to be like an on course correspondent and he'd have to eyeball shots while they're in the air. So it's not just her, but a lot of times it's her. And as us as viewers, like we could just see the shot tracer too and know if it's online or, or whatnot, and at this point, these guys are so good out of the sand. It, it's a little ridiculous when, you're like, oh, like this is a impossible bunker shot. Well, a lot of times, these guys are so good at uh, scrambling, you should expect them to go up and down at this point. <laughs>
0: It is interesting that Nablo still kept getting, and Ian Baker-Finch kept getting really excited about, like, speeth shots, and uh, who was the other guy that held that it out of the sand? Was that Spieth? I think it was, in, in, at some point during the coverage. Like, oh, he did it again, I can't believe it, but you better start believing, but that's what he does. He's actually been doing that a lot, so definitely a good point there, Andy. Um, let's go to Mike, and let's get your thoughts on media coverage as well.
1: Yeah, to t- touch on some of the points Andy made, I, I think what Dottie Pepper's general issue is, is, and, and listen, let me preface this by saying that it doesn't mean that a, a, a woman who, whether she was a professional golfer or whether she was not a professional golfer, can't announce men's professional golf. Um, what I think is happening is is that she's relying more on her own instinct of looking at where a shot lands, the lie or whatever, and what she might've been capable of doing, or when she played generally what would happen. And she's using that instinctively instead of really looking closely at what the current men's game does. And maybe maybe she'd have the same problem. She was calling, uh, the LPGA now with what they can do, uh, so that's what I think it is. She needs to pay more. She needs to go and she needs to get a better idea and sort of recalibrate herself to okay. In this type of lie, this is a good shot. Th- that's generally what I think the big issue is: is that it's just it's maybe this unwillingness or. I don't know, a a lack of effort in trying to figure out, in trying to figure out, all right, this is what the men are capable of doing. This is what a good shot is for a pro. And she just kind of goes back and relies on her own instincts. And you do see that. It's not just with women. You do see that a lot of times with the older announcers too. But um, I I think it goes for anyone. You have to try to keep yourself up on the game, keep yourself – up to date with trends, and really, you have to recalibrate yourself. Being able to go back and rely on your experience uh, is obviously good; it can add to the broadcast, but you can't rely on that too much. So that's what I would say. Her her big issue is.
0: Okay. Uh, One thing. I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask. You, yeah.
1: Keep going. Okay. One thing I do have to bring up, and, and this is a bad job by me for not remembering exactly where this was said. I can't remember if it was set on, I don't think it was set on the masters broadcast because we know how they are with controlling things. So I think it was on the golf channel. Um, And I alluded to this and I stopped myself to save it, but they were talking about Justin Thomas and they're like, Oh, well, you know, he's had this trying season and uh, his grandfather died, which obviously is terrible. And, uh, you know, he got uh, dragged into this big controversy, which, yeah, that's his own fault, but it's a lot to deal with. And they also mentioned, oh, and Tiger Woods got into a car accident. Uh... <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. 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 <laughs> We're going to compare Tiger Woods, whom he's not related to, breaking his leg in a car accident to his grandfather dying. Did, did, did that really? Tiger's not dead. He's at home resting. He's fine. Well, I mean, he's not fine, but he's going to live. Just Uh... the tone deafness and the just the density that it took to make a statement like that is just it's ridiculous. So uh, that was asinine. Um, You know, I'll bring up an issue I had with the my group and I think it's really just my internet connection maybe being a little spotty is I did have an issue with when I was loading up my group, occasionally it would go, it would be just rapid fire. Okay. This guy, this guy, this guy, but then I would get issues where it would like load and it would freeze for a bit. And I'm not sure why that was happening. I didn't have that issue on any of the other streams, uh, So I'm not sure if that was just at my end or if it was happening with other people. I know Andy said it was getting a little slow with a ton of people lined up for him. So uh, if that's an issue on their end, that could be, um, that could be ironed out a little bit. I, um, I, I will say that I understand a little bit where Tommy and people who are saying it's not on TV are coming from just in the, just in the fact that something on TV, it's passive, something when you're on a stream is active. So for someone who's kind of like borderline about watching something, it doesn't add an extra layer you have to do to access the coverage. I mean, it's not a big deal if you want to see it. It's it's not a barrier at all. But there is there is a little something to passive versus active viewing, which I can kind of get. But listen, it's there. Um and you, re- you really you can't complain if you're trying to watch it just for the fact that, look, now with the addition of the four, five, and six, uh, the holes four, five, and six to what they had, at any time you're having eight holes of coverage, uh, two featured groups, and then the my group feature, which will just rapid fire load up shots for you. Uh, and just play them automatically so you can watch the whole tournament and um, you're not going to miss anything. So uh, to touch on a couple other things, Dave, I, I had mentioned this in the text that one of the announcers they had on four five and six was a little bit subpar. And apparently you, you knew who he was. He mm-hmm. was a baseball announcer. Yeah. And I, I wasn't surprised to hear you say that, Oh, well he's, um, he's a radio announcer. It did almost seem like someone who came from a radio background. The mm-hmm. guy's name, I think was Dave. Fleming Dave Fleming. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah he, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he was just, he was talking too much and not letting things breathe. And you know, it makes sense on radio. You have to paint the picture on TV. You, the picture's there and you accentuate it. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't fire him necessarily, but maybe just calm down a little bit. Yeah. Um, what else, Vern Lundquist? You know, he's an old guy, and I hate to point this out, but on Matsuyama on 16 on Sunday. So Matsuyama left it on the top portion of the green, and he hits his putt and he puts it to with like in seven feet. All right. So that's seven feet for par. And Vern Lundquist goes, Well, you know, uh, uh, Matsuyama will just be trying to get it close from here and of course Valdo jumps in and he's like "Vard, I think he'd be trying to make that putt wouldn't he and it was just like oh God I I, I, I don't know how, how you think that someone from quote seven feet away uh, for an uphill putt would just be trying to get it close so yeah I, he's starting to get out of it who knows how much longer uh, he'll be around One general point that I will make about CBS. And it doesn't apply as much to the masters because they sort of had to. Well, one, it was because McCord wasn't there anyway, because he was banned. And two, there's like a certain uh, demeanor and tone that you have to strike there. CBS had back in the uh, early 2010s, They had this really, I think, interesting contrast of personalities. You you had McCord and Faraday who were kind of goofy guys. You had that balanced out by Ian Baker Finch, who very knowledgeable but never criticizes anyone else. You had Costas with the swing stuff. Oosterhouse was very much a straight edge, here it is uh, type deal. And then you had Nance and Faldo holding it all together. Now you don't have that dynamic of these big contrasting personalities. So there's a certain dynamic. It's hard to, for me to really put my finger on exactly what it is. But you had this dynamic of the, these interacting different types of personalities back on CBS that you don't have anymore anymore. And it's kind of, it's toned down the broadcast a little bit. It's it's not as good as it was with their current personnel. So, um, I mean, listen, it's not bad, but I don't know. You know, it's not, CBS is not as good as it was in 2012. But, you know, and I think NBC would be better. The problem is Azinger just torpedoes oh, that yeah. entire broadcast. So, you know, I'll still stick with CBS.
0: It's funny because I, I've definitely noticed a drop-off. You know, there there's so much flavor when they had Faraday there, you know, and I actually saw him one time. I was, I was in, I think one of my first trips to Riviera, I saw him like after the, the tournament and uh, it was really cool to see him hanging around, but, uh, and, and Costas is actually kind of a big loss too, actually, because he, he, he really cuts it straight. He says, he says what he thinks. He's never really holding anything back. So you're losing a lot of that, I think, in recent years. I mean, Faldo is still good at that, but... It does seem more monotonous. I like Nablo, actually, to be honest with you. I know you've had thing, issues with Nablo, Mike, but but definitely not a, not what it was. I agree. I agree. So uh, I think it's a pretty good sum, sum, summary. Um, if you guys want to jump in with anything else, go ahead. But otherwise, I'm going to leave it with Mike. And let's get the road ahead. You talked about Town and the golf links there and Hilton Head. It's a beautiful course. I mean, it should be it should be right at home. Literally, for du- for Dustin Johnson, but maybe as you noted, it may not work. He may not be that interested in it. But Mike, this is a really cool course, and this will be part of the the road ahead. So let's give it to you for what's coming up in the tour. Sure.
1: Well, uh, place near and dear to my heart, Hilton Head. Uh, grew up there, going on vacations. So never actually played Harbortown, although uh i've definitely i i've made plan well not official plans but i know i'm gonna be in hilton head at some point after i graduate from law school at which point i will 100 percent play Town. so um but yeah dustin johnson uh see here's the thing he, he i don't i don't know if he's ever made he's missed like the last couple cuts when he's played there. And I think he only really plays there because he's in our, he has a contract with RBC. Harbor town is very unique in the sense that it really neutralizes power. Um, in a way, no other course really does it like that. So is Dustin Johnson, the betting favorite. Yes. Uh, would I bet on him? Absolutely not. Um, You know, he really is not shown an ability to play well at that course. So um, I would steer clear of putting money on him uh, this week. What else would I want to talk about? But, yeah, uh, really great course. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So Golf Magazine, like what they did is they completely redid their formula for ranking the top 100 courses in the country. And Harbortown had slipped, like, in the Golf Digest rankings to, like, 190 or whatever. And when Golf Magazine redid these rankings, which apparently had less of an emphasis on difficulty and more of an emphasis on, like, uh, strategy and options and stuff like that, Harbortown jumped all the way up to, like, 70-something. So, yeah, top 100 course in the country, uh, one of the best public courses you can play. You know, I I will touch on a couple of things. Something interesting is going on, which is that you have Harbour and Hilton Head next month. You have Kiowa Island, the PGA at uh yeah at Ki- at the Ocean Course, which is outside of Charleston. Uh, that's going to be a great event. Uh, fantastic course. We'll have less of a chance of having a um, you know a weather delay. I know they had to play uh, when McElroy ran away with that in 2012, there were thunderstorms and it caused them to have to play, uh, finish the third round early on Sunday. There's less of a chance of that in May, but it still could happen, but fantastic course. That should be great. And now here's the interesting one, which is there's a course that got built recently called Congaree in Ridgeland, South Carolina, which is about like 50 miles from Hilton head or 40, 50 miles. It's the absolute middle of nowhere, like backwoods, rural south. Um, But Congaree was built by – I forget the guy's first name, but McNair, the guy who um, owned the Titans, not the kid that currently owns it, the father who passed away recently, and one other guy. And the goal when they built that was to try to attract, like, a major championship or a a President's Cup or even a – a Ryder cup there so that course is going to be they're going to play a pga tour event there in june to replace the um the canadian open because of the whole border situation and you, you can't have the canadian open with uh, what's going on in the world currently or you can't logistically have it eh, to be honest so that's going to be interesting um The course is uh, built by Tom Fazio, and it's going to debut. uh, Golf Digest also redid their rankings. They haven't been released, but Golf Digest said it's going to debut at, like, number 39 uh, of the top 100 courses, and Golf Magazine has it somewhere in the 70s. So one of the better courses in the country. It's interesting. Uh, The way I would describe it is because it was in – the, uh, the golf club video game. And I've seen a lot of pictures of it. It's almost like it was built on a completely flat site, but it's almost like someone tried to think of shadow Creek, like someone trying to completely mold the land. But instead of going for that, look, think of someone trying to build like pine Valley, for instance, from scratch. If you guys know about pine Valley, uh, so that'll be a very interesting event. I'm, I'm definitely excited to see that. So, yeah, I guess a, a, a theme to look forward to or uh, something to look at is that you know South Carolina is going to have three events in the next three months. So, uh, an area of the uh, area of the country I'm familiar with. So, uh, I will be excited for that.
0: That's a very cool rundown, Mike. Thank you. For, thank you very much for that. And let's now move over to John. And get your thoughts on any upcoming events on the tour.
3: Yeah, a very good field coming up this week. Um, a lot of the guys making the trip from Augusta to Hilton Head. You know, if you're looking for, you know, who's going to do well, it's all about approach game, it's all about driving accuracy. Um, putting, not quite as much, but definitely around the green plate as well, because the greens are so small. You're going to want guys who get up and down. Um, you know, you're going to, Webb Simpson won last year after. You know, the after it um, this tournament was actually played after they got back from the coronavirus break because who knows why, but um, you know they played it and it was. I don't think you can read too much into it because it was just played at a different time of year. It was so humid, like the balls were holding on the greens, and they just torched the course. I think you'll you'll see it play more like it usually does, where it's pretty tough. So um, those are the kind of players that you want. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe Morikawa, Daniel Berger. Those are kind of the guys that you want to to be picking or looking at this week or guys that do well on like short Bermuda courses. Um, so yeah, so yeah, this will be a good tournament. And then the next couple of weeks after this one, you're kind of rough. As I mentioned, the team event in new Orleans, I honestly have no idea who's going to be playing at that one. Um, and then the the Valspar championship, which is usually part of the Florida swing got moved to late April this year. Um, so again, I think that'll be a pretty weak field. And then, uh, you have the quail hollow, um, event the wells fargo championship now that's a great course so that should be a pretty good field that was not played last year it was canceled because of covid so that should be a pretty good field and then there's a uh the byron nelson is that a new course it's the tpc of craig ranch i think I think that's the name of it and i literally know nothing about that course so we'll, we'll see um we'll see about that i i think that'll be a pretty weak field but maybe i'm wrong maybe that course is amazing and, and guys will want to play it but that's the week before the pga championship um at Kiowa as Mike mentioned and then yeah that that new um that one-time event in uh South Carolina congregate what are the odds that workday is going to sponsor that tournament they've they jumped on the first two like rescheduled events like they had that one last year at Memorial and then earlier this year at the when they moved out of Mexico they sponsored it so we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah I mean we're, we're in a good place now where we have a, a huge golf event every month and then leading up to it you know you just kind of you know, you take what you can get out of these tournaments, and certainly the betting and fantasy situation uh, helps as well with that. And um, you know, should should be some good action for sure over the next month.
0: Yeah, looking forward. I I think the uh, this particular one coming up in Hilton Head it will be the showcase for from in the immediate future. And looking and it'll be fun. So Andy, let's get your thoughts. Anything else you want to add as far as the road ahead?
2: Yeah, what I remember about. Heritage, Harbortown, Hilton Head. So I'm guessing last year they had it, uh, you know, at a different time of the calendar because they were like the tour is back open. They had all those other events that didn't happen because of COVID. And it was like, well, we're South Carolina. We don't even know if the virus is real or not. Ah. So <laughs> let's have let's have the event. But I, I do remember I the final round, Web won. But like the final round, like a huge – delay like the like it ended almost like in pitch dark um like abraham answer came in like second place and i don't remember i think i don't remember if there was any juice i just remember it ended really late the st- like the leaders in like when the delay ended like they had like they were only on like their fourth hole but it was like five o'clock so it, yeah it ended late but as uh both john and Mike mentioned, yeah, it's uh, it's not a bombers course per se. Uh, I guess another course that I always think of when people are like it's not a bombers course, it is the is the track where the Valspar is held. Uh, it's not a bombers course. Um, that you always hear that. So uh, for for Harbor Town, I know like Coocher has good history, but I hate his guts there. Uh, but he he has. He does well there, you know. Webb Simpson does well there. Luke Donald used to do well there. Like Graham McDonalds won there. All this to say, yeah, not long hitters. Um, So I'm. I have. A t- I have Kevin Kisner forty to one. I'm gonna <laughs> take a chance on kids because he's a. He's kind of a grinder. He hasn't really played all that well this year. Uh, maybe find some magic this year. Uh, at the tournament as far as a one and done. Um, I actually, I did take Matt Koosher. Oh. <laughs> uh, Cause I don't want to burn someone like Colin Morikawa. I've already used Daniel Berger. I don't want to waste Cantlay. Um, I don't even know if Cantley's played there. I'm sure I should probably look tonight when I'm done with the show. But uh, so I might change it up from Koot, but I, you know, Cooch is, I don't know his performance in Austin was very surprising. He's such a nibbler and he, he's, he's a good putter and yeah, he, he has history there. Um, I'm laughing at the Conga Gi tournament. Um, Mike educated me on the course but when I was looking at the schedule yesterday, I was like, Oh, this Palmetto invitational or whatever it's called. It's like, just from my, I read that. It reminds me of like, is it going to be like that Barbasol event or like there's like in a, there's an event at the end of the year. That's like, that's in Mississippi. So I, I don't know how strong the field's going to be, but um, I'll be interested. I like looking at new courses. Uh, um, I love the ocean. I love Kiowa, even though I've never been there. I've What I know is from what I've seen on TV and war on the shore, the Ryder cup and the major that was there a few years ago. And, you know, you play it on video games. It looks beautiful. And I'm just a sucker for any course that's on the ocean. So whether it's Harbor town this week and Kiowa next month, I just love that stuff. So yeah, good for the Carolinas to get uh, some representation. Um, uh, it's going to be, it's a strong field just as, as, as John would know, like the travelers championship this year might be a little different because, uh, where where the u.s open is but whenever there's like a u.s open that is uh, on the eastern seaboard or in the northeast you know the travelers championship is gonna have a strong field and i from what i can tell john can probably verify like a lot of players love the event They, they probably get all sorts of good hospitality uh by travelers and you know it's a it's a fun course too they have like the drivable par four on the back night. and i know i'm just rambling but uh yeah the, i feel like the it's a misconception for these events that happen right after majors i'll put them on, no one's gonna go but i think it's almost like the opposite it's like no players are gonna go because it's it's more relaxed and they have a good time and they play for a lot of money and they play at these good you know good courses
0: yep they and uh It'll be in like you, were, you, just, you just mentioned your pool. I'm in the pool with John. I'm, I haven't I haven't – I don't think I've sent my picks in yet for the RBC Heritage. i got to take a look at that. But that's oh, part Dave, of it. I was going
3: to say, I was going to give you your one reminder for the year. Get your picks in. You're oh, okay. actually not doing too badly for this section. So, yeah, go, okay. go for it.
0: Oh, definitely. Uh, by the way, any sleepers you like in that tournament? Just out of curiosity? Um,
3: I mean, ugh, Dave, you don't know – you knew the the time i spent like digging through some stats for some of these guys like you just would wouldn't even believe it but yeah like i said like if you want some short like short hitting like approach kind of guys um i'll give you a couple okay um let's see here like jt poston i think is someone who can do well here he's had a couple top 10s the last two years and also comparable course to this one is the event in um north carolina the windom because it's on a, a donald ross course it's the same designer um or i'm sorry not donald ross uh p die course and so that's kind of like the correlation that you're looking for with that so i like i like him uh, he's done well um i guess uh that yeah that's kind of the, the one guy that i'm looking kind of a, as a low a low play this week in terms of bets and odds um See who else here. Uh, Michael Thompson has two top tens at this course the last yeah. couple of years, but nice. yeah, I'm not a huge fan of his. But I, the course history is there.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so, and if you really want to get really crazy, um, Rory Sabatini has like really good course history here, but he's just been so bad lately. Um, but yeah, you know, there's that's those are kind of like guys the guys you want to look for. If you really dig into stats, like guys that are have good approach game, um, they don't necessarily hit the ball very far. They keep it in play, good around the green. So, just guys that kind of fit that particular skill set is kind of what you're, you you're, you're, um, you're looking for. So, yeah, it's always fun to kind of dive into the fields and just kind of piece a puzzle together. Essentially, who you think is gonna gonna do well.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for your advice, uh, John. I appreciate it. I will send your the picks probably right after this program, and then uh, then I'll, we'll have our field tomorrow. So let's give it to everybody for final thoughts on this tournament. And certainly, the ending was probably more awkward than not. But overall, I, I I thought it was a a pretty solid master, just an unusual one. I think that's kind of my thought. So final thoughts for everybody else, Mike. I'll give it go to you third, first.
1: Sure. So. Um... Obviously what we witnessed was a historic win for the game with uh, Hideki Matsuyama becoming the first Japanese player to win a major. Um, one of the, it was something I had always thought about. There were three Japanese players in the 1980s who w- were very good and they each had, they each had gotten into the top 10 of the official world rankings, and they each had top tens in majors. That's Aiseo Aoki, uh, Jumbo Ozaki, and Tommy Nakajima. And I had always wondered, well, why haven't we really seen a a bigger influx of players from Japan since then? You know, had the sport died down? And I I finally got my answer to that uh, recently reading uh, an article about Matsuyama's win. And it's that, no, golf is extremely popular in Japan. It remains extremely popular. But the Jap, because it's so popular, the Japanese tour is actually lucrative enough, and it gives you enough celebrity status that really the top players in Japan have no incentive to ever leave. They make a lot of money, and they live a great life. So thankfully, though, Hideki Matsuyama did do that, and was able to share his talents with the world. And another um, storyline behind this uh, goes to show the forward thinking of Augusta National when it comes to growing the game. We've seen their initiatives recently with the drive chip and putt the, and the uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur, which also produced a uh, Japanese winner yeah. this year.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. But preceding those were the decision to create or at least sponsor the Latin America Amateur Championship and the Asia-Pacific Amateur Championship. And the idea that, all right, the winner of that would get an exception, uh, an exemption, excuse me, into the field. And that the idea of doing that would help promote the game in those areas of the world. Well... Hideki Matsuyama won the Asia-Pacific Amateur, and after winning that, he parlayed that uh, into winning the Low Amateur at the uh, 2011 Masters. So it really... it, It was a victory where an initiative by Augusta National paid off and came full circle. So I do think even if we might disagree on their general view uh, of how they view the world and how they think things should be run. We have to give them a lot of credit for their forward thinking when it comes to the game of golf. And that forward thinking really uh, paid off last week with Hideki Matsuyama, a uh, product of the Asia-Pacific Amateur Tournament, winning the Masters.
0: That's very well said, Mike. I really think that some of these efforts that they've made to to, to for outreach in the game um, have truly come to fruition. And and they brought the they did bring up the amateur win for uh, for Matsuyama back in I believe you said twenty eleven, you know, during the telecast on Sunday. So that that was cool, and it's great to see that. And I did see some of the women's ne- amateur, and I thought the win there was awesome too. I think that was really cool. So definitely all in all a really a really big month for augusta and the and the masters and you know we've said a lot about them and certainly they still have a lot of a long way to go in terms of their social consciousness but in terms of this in terms of growing the game baseball could learn a thing from two from them don't you think so uh, let's go to john let's get your your final thoughts
3: yeah, um, I think that was very well said. And the you know Hideki hasn't changed much in terms of like you know his age really much at all in the last ten years. Good for him. Um, but yeah, that was I vaguely remember him winning the amateur ten years ago. But who would have thought? Like it just opened up so many doors for him, and here he is, you know, ten years later putting on the green jacket and just a world world class player. So, um, and also to that point of Augusta being. Uh, I guess forward thinking or expanding the game, the addition of Lee elder to the opening ceremony, I thought was a very nice touch, Um, you know, recognizing him as the first African-American to ever play at the masters. And um, you know, the doors that, that opened, you know, back in the day for, for, um, for African-Americans to, to take up the game and, you know, eventually leading into, um, you know, maybe tiger woods. I, I, I don't know that for a fact, if that's one of the reasons why tiger started, thing because of um you know seeing Lee Elder but um you know I think I thought that was a very nice touch by them as well to include him in the in the opening ceremony so uh good job by them and yeah I mean you know I like Andy had said before like you don't always it's sport like you can't script out like what you want to happen to happen um so we just we take the kind of juice that we can get and you know we enjoy the event and we'll you know we'll go on to the next major so um as always it was a, it was you know fun to follow all week and as as we had said you know Hideki certainly is a deserving champion this year for the 2021 Masters
0: yep and now with all that said let's go to Andy for the final word
3: yeah it was a fun show thanks
2: for getting it all organized uh, the the way uh the way mike described dodi pepper yeah much more succinct than i could do but he yeah he he nailed it um, but uh, yes. Anyway, enough about Donnie. But uh, <laughs> no, like, um. Do you, I don't know if you guys listened to Mike and when Mike basically begged Mad Dog to go on his show, and he went on his show, and Mike, like, it made sense. It, it makes sense to all of us because we're sports fans. But if like, like one of our significant others were in the room, and like, what is this guy talking about? But he was like, sports is needs to get back on it's like natural heartbeat and he's like uh like the masters in november that's not its natural heartbeat like the nba playoffs and uh in the summer it's not its natural heartbeat there's a there's a rhythm of sports that we need to get back and he's right and the fact that we had the march madness lead into augusta Next year we'll have our match madness lead into Augusta, which will lead into Stanley cup and NBA playoffs this year. We're not quite there yet, but the fact that we had Augusta in it's normal time slot was, uh, was great. Um, I'm, I'm into baseball. I, I hate the seven inning double headers, but it is what it is. It's something to gamble. A lot of day games to gamble on. And uh, yeah, Augusta's weird. They probably, you know they got some weird stuff you know nance you, you notice they didn't promo her, the harbor town heritage classic they probably not allowed to and they don't mention prize funds they don't mention how much money third place gets they they can't do any of that they they have these weird rules you can get a cheese sandwich for a buck 50 or whatever but um it's a strange culture at augusta but it's mesmerizing. We we love to watch it. We know the course pretty well. Um, it's just, you know, good for deck-y. Um There, there, there could have been a lot of other winners. It'd be like, ah, oh, why did he win? But I don't think there's anyone out there that was like, ah, oh, Decky won. Like that's that sucks. <laughs> but, you know, like you know, and you know, I think Zala Taurus was a good story for, for a little bit. I know these guys are, had heard of them and yep. it, we could talk about this, this other, you know, another time, but like, there's like this secondary tertiary group of players that they're just like, they dominate either the corn fairy tour or, um, they just hit the ground running, you know, uh, whether it's someone like Max Homa, Will Zala Emilio Grillo, uh, Joel Damon and it's like the golf purists that watch way too much golf when these guys win they're like called it called it and like Hovland one of those guys so I would put Zalatoris in that category like John and Mike knows Zalatoris but someone like Tommy he wouldn't know Zalatoris if he sat on him <laughs> until this weekend <laughs>
0: He looked good. I, I think he's here to stay as well. He looked really good. My dad was really rooting for Sal Torres. He really liked him as well. So golf is a good place. I think that's the the takeaway I get from this tournament. And then your guys' thoughts really punctuate that that's point. So I can't thank you enough for doing this again, guys. And our golf season has begun once again. So guys, thank you so much. Have a good weekend and take care. And we'll do it again for the next major when that comes up. Take Bye, guys. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks a lot. See you later, guys. guys. See you.
0: Take care, fellas. Bye Mike. Bye, bye, John and, and Andy. That's our program tonight. Um this has been a lot of fun. I, I'm really glad that we got to to do all this. And um I I think wait we are off to a good foot with these uh with these with these recap shows. So I'll uh, say goodnight for now. We are back tomorrow. At least we're we're supposed to be. Um we will do a special random questions program bit of an emergency show with our friend a couple quickies and we'll tell you more about that one tomorrow as well, and as as the reasons to why we were doing it but for now i say good night i'm dave medina if you want to catch us on twitter we're at ditcow. on the web at ditcow.com, and apple podcast if you have not already subscribed by now we are dave in the city out west thanks again everybody have a good have a good rest of your day enjoy the rest of your week as well and we should see you tomorrow but if not it's next week Until then, we'll see you next time.